0: This episode of Fantripper was first broadcast on the 3rd of March 2017. Hello, welcome to another episode of Fantripper. I'm Luke Bradshaw, I'm the sports editor here at Culture Trip. This episode we feature grime DJ Logan Sarmer. Originally from Essex, Logan has been entrenched in the grime scene since its inception, with his shows on Rinse FM over a decade ago still a massive success. And he since had shows on Kiss 100 and Radio 1 Extra, working with the likes of Skepta, Wiley, P Money, and Dizzy. Growing up as a proper West Ham family, Simon was only ever going to be a hammer. We check about his early days heading to Upton Park with his family, the club's move to the London Stadium, what he expects from West Ham players, and of course, the Dimitri Pyatt saga. There's plenty to cover. So here's Logan. So, Logan, thank you for your time, spending with us. Probably a good place to start is how you ended up being a West Ham fan in the first place.
1: Um, Inherited it, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) I'm a strong believer in... um, You either support the team that your dad supports, or your local team. And if they're both the same thing, you're kind of out of luck. So... uh, yeah, my father supported West Ham. Both my grandfathers supported West Ham. So I uh, I fell into West Ham. And did you grow up in the East End? Uh, no, they grew up in the East End. I grew up in Essex. So they were born right in East Ham. My dad used to live right near the Catherine Road. Um, so did my mother. So, you know, they were all regularly attending. Games and stuff, so yeah, it's been, uh, been a lot of history.
0: Would you remember your first game? What sort of age
1: were you? My first West Ham game?
0: Yeah. Mm, dear.
1: I think I'd probably been about 11 12. 11 12 was the first West Ham game I, I went to. I think I remember going to a Chelsea game when they still had like the shed, right? When I was a lot younger. And my dad always used to tell me he had to take me to the toilet and missed two <laughs> goals. Well, I, my, I'm a Chelsea fan, and yeah. my
0: first game was at home to West Ham. Okay, and we lost. So I, I, I reckon this would have been about ninety-five. Oh crikey, ninety-six maybe. And so it would have been like I think Don Hutchinson probably. I think he scored the winner. He might have even scored both goals. So we're about the same era.
1: No, I think, so how old are you?
0: So I'm 31.
1: 31, so I'm 36 this year, so I, I, I remember, yeah, Don Hutchison, I guess, maybe just a little bit before then. Yeah. Possibly, yeah, like Julian Dix, Ian Bishop. Potts? Yep, Stevie Potts, Morley, I think I remember. The I think like the, the, the era that I kind of like remember the best was like when we started getting sort of random Euro, random European players in. Red nap, the red nap years. Yeah, Yes, yeah. so like Florin Radachoyu for like two weeks and the the, the, the other Savio and um Paolo Futre. Paolo 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 yeah Samassio Boo. Yeah. Samassier
0: Boo. Uh, yeah, Porfirio. Hugo Porfirio. Yes, yeah, Hugo, yeah. I remember him playing in the snow. And like Harry Redknapp coming out saying like he's never he's play- never he's never seen he's snow. Never seen <laughs> 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 and so they would you have had favourite players then? Do you remember when you when you first got into them?
1: Um, Julian Dix was always well loved. You kind of go like when you're young, you kind of like get carried away in the wave of what everyone else is. Yeah. Cheering. So you know Julian Dix obviously was well loved. Um, Ludek McClosco I, I, I used to play in goal when I was little. I always wanted to be a goalie, but I'm. Um, I'm only like five foot eight and a half, so that never worked out for me past being a teenager. Um, but I like Ludek as well. They were probably my favourites at that at that time.
0: And then talk about Harry Redknapp and that era of players. Yeah, there was obviously that season when under him when they nearly got relegated, and he, yeah, we brought in Kitson and Hartson. He said that that they kept him up. Yes. Do you remember that vividly? I remember? do. Yes,
1: I do. I remember that and. um was that the same season? They had Ayl Berkovic as well. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Lots of talent. Um, I remember that. I remember. I remember Redneck always had an enormous turnover of players, um, and it was kind of like you only really focused on the good ones. He always had a reputation as being like a, a wheeler dealer on the on the transfer market and this great sort of mind. But like, if you actually watched the number of players that came through, it's like. You only really need to get right on one or two of the thirty you've brought in in two years to be a success, I guess. Especially when you're like you know doing that sort of business. Um,
0: So exactly. So you remember Berkovich and tried to to forget Marco Bugars. Oh (laughs) god, yeah,
1: the Mark. Yes, Marco Bugars was like one of the first ones, right? That that came in Um, because we, we, uh, in my mind, it's like there was like a glory period where we had sort of like all the. All the tremendous young English talent, and there was like a two-year period. I mean, we had obviously Joe Cole and Rio and Frank and um, Carrick, Defoe, Carrick, David James and goal as well. So, so yeah, like we had some like real good talent coming through, which we obviously weren't able to sustain and, and, and hold on to. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was like a like a little bit of a false dawn, I guess, and then the never-ending stream of. European journeymen that passed through?
0: Well, I suppose that the... the, When they stayed up that year, there was sort of like a gradual progression upwards and they seemed to... Like those young players came through Mm. and he brought in like a few other people like even like Ticaneo and Ticaneo came in. Yeah. That seemed like an upward trajectory and then and
1: then... It was always a case when you went and go because I had a season ticket. I've been a bondholder for right. God knows how long. So and then we had we 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 used the ten years of season ticket discount. So we had a season ticket. It was all like so. It was myself, my father, and my uncle, and then my two grandfathers. So we used to go all together every week. And it was always a case when you went to West Ham that there was like that noticeable lack of quality that you need against you know top flight opposition Premier League opposition and that's when a player like Di who can come in and that spark is, is generally what you need um, and obviously it's so noticeable again with Dimitri Payet I always remember how bad the organisation was in defence though set pieces and that sort of stuff it was always shambolic and the thing of going one nil up with 20 minutes to go and then having 10 men behind the ball for the rest of the game and then it you know invariably conceding it, that was a regular occurrence as well and it was just the organisation wasn't great the quality was just there's, a, there's, there's always been a number of players at West Ham where you sort of like you, you kind of get behind them but you know they're not really great players but they work quite hard but you know really there's a ceiling on, on, yeah. on what they can do um I feel Mark Noble has been one of those players you know they had that season where everyone was saying about you know he should he considered for England but I never considered him really that sort of calibre of player but he's obviously been a great servant to the club and uh, works but you can just see on the pitch how sort of <coughs> certain players will come in and they've got they'll see passes that the rest of the team are not even looking for the runs to make for you know um, and that's always been the case you've always had those maybe one or two players at West Ham where they've just had that little spark of quality above everything else um, and they're probably like the moments that you really like hold on to I guess as a supporter because it's not like we're spoiled with 100 million 200 million pound squads or probably is now but you know at, at the time the the depth of the squad the quality of the squad is not comparable so those one or two players that can produce those one or two moments that's why I think you know the Piatt thing was so painful because you want to you always hope that from that one spark you can build a fire from it but never really seems to fortunes always fading
0: yeah I was going, I was going to talk about <laughs> Piatt but that, seeing as you brought it up mm-hmm. how it seems such a weird state of affairs where he came here he had a good season in france he was relatively unknown mm. and then had this amazing season
1: well he we had some great sign-ins i was a really massive fan of Sacco as well when he came in yeah. because again like he wasn't really well known at all i know like he had some some issues with heart or something right yeah. he's, he's there was cool. a
0: bit where he was he wasn't playing and, and it wasn't really announced what it was and then he came back and it, they said yeah he's got this heart issue yeah I remember
1: because like I think I remember reading that he failed a medical to sign somewhere else and then we picked him up and then he was a, such a great goal scorer a tremendous finisher but he had issues with either being away on the ACN or, or injury um, and then obviously whatever fallings out have happened behind the scenes but I think when he came in because I remember us playing against Liverpool a couple of years ago at home and we beat beaten soundly I think it was 3-1 maybe and he was fantastic in that game and then obviously Payet came in as well, and I thought, OK, well, you know, this might be the two or three players. Uh, Carroll's always a player that I've rated, uh, again, played with injury, but I think when he's fit and he gets a good run, he's a tremendous player. He's a... When everyone was talking about Noble for England, I was very much more in the camp of you know Carroll, just being a guy that can come off the bench, hold the ball up. He's got skill as well, he's a good finisher, a good header of the ball. He's like a good, a good threat to bring on. So that that was quite exciting, and obviously you had players like Lanzini coming through who showed flashes of skill. So yeah, it was an exciting time. You know, you were starting to think, okay, maybe that's like a core you can build around. And then, who knows what agreements were made or what have you? Um, I can't be too. I, I saw a lot of vitriol and bile against Payet even even after he moved to Marseille, because it was obvious. It's obvious, like he could have moved elsewhere for money right he didn't move took a pay cut I think yeah
0: yeah exactly like he could have gone there are teams that would have paid a hell of a lot more yeah. than Marseille. so
1: I respect I, I, I can't be angry at a man who I can't be angry at a man who is like moving for his family you know you can't like football is not more important than that so I respect that and I don't know what agreements were made about signing and then you know when he's when he would be agreed to move or what have you already asked in advance or deals have been made sort of off the books you know agreements or whatever about him being able to move back I'm not sure do you reckon if that's the murky world of football isn't it Yeah, we don't really know what goes on in terms of those sort of deals and what have you but I can't really feel too angry and to be honest with you he didn't have a great season
0: how do you think uh, Bilic dealt with it I think he dealt with it
1: honestly, and I think that's what a lot of the people like, appreciated. I, I appreciate that, you know, because he came out and said it at the press conference, right? Yeah, so he came out and said, "Pie doesn't, doesn't want to play, play for, for us
0: anymore. Us. Yeah. Um, I would love him too, but this is the situation. Yeah. And it was a bit out of the blue, no one was really expecting it. Was,
1: it was, it was. And uh, at the end of the day, I think publicly, he dealt with it reasonably well. Um, I didn't feel like any of it was, like, his fuck-up, you know? Right. I didn't feel like... Bilic definitely has his shortcomings as as a manager, but I don't feel like it was any of his wrongdoing that the, the player decided to leave. And I don't feel that he... I don't even feel like he really threw the player under the bus in any way. Just was very frank about it. The player doesn't want to play for us anymore. And I want him to play for us. And that's basically how we all felt as well, you know? And you could see visually, like, he was visibly, like, a bit shaken up when he was saying it. He looked kind of emotional and a bit hurt by it, but... Um,
0: well, I yeah. guess he probably thought that, you know, similar to the fans, that that was a player that they could they could build the team around and that, you know, he could progress from what had happened the year before and suddenly this was sort of taken away from him. I just want to touch on, you talked about going to the games with, like, your dad and your granddads and stuff. Yeah. Did you... Was there a sort of like a routine did you yes. go to the same pub go to
1: um so we always went Nathan's pie and mash shop on um on green street i'm really terrible at geography um but it's cuz so we we're in the east end uh, east end up upper, upper tier so literally just come out the east end turn right and right around the corner and there's like a fish and chip shop on the corner and it's where like there's just massive massive lines outside and we used to go there and i really enjoyed it it was like part of the thing it's like um sort of ceremony. It was yeah, it was it was very sort of ceremonial. It was a, a tradition routine. Go and, and have the pie and mash, line up, read the programme whilst you're lining up, listen to all the people having conversations about the game and, and what they're expecting and eat as fast as possible and then back round again to the ground and just watch the game and generally complain about it afterwards. Um, did you, did but, your... Yeah, it was really it was it was great because it was uh it was like a family outing, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and
0: to be able to do it regular on a regular basis. Yeah, as well. definitely. not a lot of people get to do that. No, no. So it's was very really fortunate. Did um, Did you respect your like granddad's
1: opinions and insight on the game, or was um? Didn't really talk too much about it. To be honest with you, they weren't like they were both kind of like stoic grand- right. grandfathers. I <laughs> so didn't really put in a lot of uh, it was mainly my 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 dad's, just saying how shit everyone was. <laughs> Do you
0: reckon their support's any different because they, they you know, probably saw their team in the 60s and sort of winning trophies and stuff compared to support? Even the 80s where you know, yeah. they did
1: kind of all right. And, you know, it was a very yo-yo-y towards the mid and the end the 80s, but early 80s, late 70s, they were a decent team as well. Um, Do you reckon they had higher expectations than you have of them? Um, probably not, to be honest with you. From what I can tell, being a West Ham supporter has not really changed in that, whereas maybe like an Arsenal supporter will have delusions of grandeur where they think they're like title challengers every year and then have the bottom out when they're out of the race and they'll upset the top three team and, you know, be up again and they'll, we can challenge and then they'll lose to Hull away and... You know Venger out and this is shit and blah blah. So it's like a real roller coaster going from we can do this to this is you know this is shit. I give up. Um, West Ham is very much like uh, you don't really expect. All you expect at West Ham is the attempts to play good football and 11 people out there to work as hard as you would. Give them the chance to play for West Ham. You don't expect results. Right. I never expected results. Do you think there's a West Ham way? I think there is an imagined West Ham way in which we play like expansive passing football with a bit of counter-attacking and possession. But really what it is, is passing the ball sideways and backwards whilst most of the midfield and the forwards don't move into space and show for the ball and just let the player on the ball do all the work and then get hit on the break by a better team. Basically, that's pretty much the West Ham way from what I've seen. Or letting terrible goals from set pieces as well. That's always the other one. Um, I think they, I, I think they're let down with the quality. But I, I also, there must be an issue with like the mentality of the coaching because I've been going to West Ham for twenty plus years now, and they still fall down in the same areas that they have done. So it must be like a, an ethos. It must be, the West Ham way is probably what it holds them back. In the yeah, there's a lot of this sideways movement. There's not a lot of actual probing football. You have creative players that are not operating on the same wavelength as other players, whose instinct is to turn around and pass the ball backwards. Does it,
0: so, does it frustrate you when there are fans that that honestly believe that there is a like a way?
1: I can see why because there is kind of a like we want to play passing football. We don't want to play. So when we played long balls, horrible. No one wanted to see that. You know, under under Fat Sam, long ball. Route one, give away the ball, and then you're under the cosh again. No, like the West Ham way is to pass the ball on the ground. That is how they play. Whether they're good at it or not is a different thing entirely, you know. Um, but people, as I said, people want to see the players running. If we lose the ball, I don't see them tracking back and challenging and winning. The easiest way to get a cheer from the crowd at West Ham is to be a forward that loses the ball and then like chase it down proper proper blowing out your arse after thirty seconds. You know. They don't want to see the goalkeeper with the ball at his feet just having all day to, to, to kick it out. We like to see the forward closing down. Forwards forwards who try and win the ball back after losing it are always favourites. Right. We, we always like that. So we like hard workers, a lot of running, a lot of effort. I guess it's kind of like English football, you know? Work rate really up challenging, battling spirit, maybe a little bit of class, little you know glimpses of magic here and there. But more so, it's more sort of work rate and passing. But then do you think that's
0: at odds with having, have,
1: wanting a team that has that extra bit of quality? I think it's very difficult to find players that fit into that at the moment because anyone with a bit of established quality is going to cost you a lot of money anyone who is young with a bit of perceived potential is gonna cost you a lot of money. So it ends up going for players like Payet, who are, you know, late twenties, certainly not a spring chicken. Um, Sacco again was unproved. Carol was basically offloaded, you know. So you're going for players that have a proven track record of not being up to scratch in right. their areas, you know. Like if Payette was playing to a world class level he would be at PSG or Real Madrid, or and in in the French team starting, yeah, he wasn't he in wasn't. the French squad when no. they bought him, no, no. So you know he went from that to obviously playing above. He elevated I mean to West Ham. He definitely came to the West Ham and elevated. You can't argue with that. That's definitely the case. Um, and we just want to see more of that. And then we obviously dream that they're going to stay. But I think you can see that over the years, a lot of players have elevated. They've come to West Ham. You know, Defoe from, came from Charlton you know Carrick came through uh, the, a lot the obviously the youth team came through um, and have elevated and then moved on elsewhere to clubs that can come in and, and buy them out and as is always the case in the modern era of football you can't always reinvest that money well I mean Spurs are a great example of that They're, they've got a history of selling players for big money and then Spunking the money up against the wall on rubbish, um, and we do that obviously in a in a lesser sense, I guess, with, with a bit less. Whereas these guys can just spend thirty million, just loan <laughs> yeah, them out. Exactly. It's, it's a different thing altogether. Do you begrudge the players
0: that take that go that <coughs> next step up? So, or because there's nothing. No, I of don't like, think you
1: can. I don't think you can because. Is um, this said, like
0: if they, if they stayed maybe that extra year or for a couple of years, yeah. yeah the I same think,
1: time... I think these days you have to understand. The, the world of professional football is like a different planet, whereas our sensibilities and working class morals are very different to those of someone who will go and strike over the difference of 80 grand to 100 grand a week. you know like there's a lot of people who go to West Ham that don't make 20 grand in six months, let alone a week. So it's a very different world to understand. And aspirations. I can appreciate aspirations, but I think, I think you can. I think it's been proven now over the last decade that you can play for West Ham and be, you know, in contention for England, which is great. You can play for West Ham and have the potential to play in Europe, even if we don't make it past the qualifying stages, um, which we can talk about as well because we spent a load of money trying to do that, which is a complete waste of time. Um, so I guess. If you want to leave West Ham, you're leaving to play Champions League football, or you know, be in with a chance of playing top four side, and you want to compete for a title. West Ham, I'm probably not going to compete for titles in my lifetime, unless you know, a Arabic investment firm or Chinese company comes in and takes them over. So, I, mean, I don't, I don't begrudge players that move on because it's, it's a job, you know.
0: Like you mentioned they haven't loaders. got the
1: same relationship to the club that the fans do you, how can you expect yeah. them to have it you know like I've suffered for 20 plus years there's people that go they've probably suffered for 60 plus years of course we're gonna like we didn't leave when we didn't get what we wanted you know no. I didn't start going and supporting Chelsea because they were winning stuff and West Ham weren't you know, I want to watch Champions League football but go and watch Chelsea then.
0: Yeah, so you reckon it's unrealistic to expect players to... It's a completely different relationship, so...
1: But, I think we've romanticised, don't we? You know, Mm. and West Ham are great at romanticising in that, yeah, we hope that great players are going to emerge, you know, and go on and beat the world like, you know, Bobby
0: and Jeff did. You mentioned takeovers. Yeah. Obviously, there was the Icelandic takeover. <laughs> yeah, and then the transfer deadline day when Tevez and Mascherano arrived. Yeah, can you
1: remember that? I can. That was insane. That, like was that I kind of insane. think
0: that move or those moves were what launched what deadline day is now perceived as on Sky Sports. Like when that happened.
1: Yeah, I guess just... so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. <clears throat> Did you watch deadline day this year? Nah. It's fucking terrible <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like it's not a thing anymore. it's not a thing no, no it's not it's it was not for a thing. few
0: it was for a few years maybe yeah and now the more it's been built up the more it th- it doesn't deliver on anything because no. it's not it's not an event
1: no it's not it's not like you can't have you can't have that live it's not ticker. the January sales <laughs> oh my god someone's suddenly gone here for 50 mil or yeah
0: you can't have a live ticker for news that just repeats the same thing over and yeah. over again that's then not it's yeah. not breaking news anymore yeah. But yeah, do you remember the Tevez and Mascherano? Do you I do. Yeah,
1: I always remember finding it really baffling that Mascherano never played, and then I found out why. That was, but Yeah, I think that was it was a great time because we got to see incredible, exciting football. And again, Tevez is one of those players. He lost the ball, goes when it's back. He Tevez was in that Di mould of just battling all the time, and he had the class to back it up as well. Tevez is without a doubt the best player I've ever seen. On the pitch at Upton Park, um, and again when he left, you, you you gave us everything every week, whether it was a snowy Monday night in January in Sunderland. You gave us everything every week, so I can't complain. It was a, yeah, it was it was exciting. It was yeah. weird though. It was, it was, it was I think, I'm sure it was weird for bloody everybody, you know. Um, probably weird that, for them so. I'd, I'd imagine so but they got love so I'd imagine it was weird for um, for, for Javier because
0: well even without like even if say Tevez has his detractors and, and people mm. may not like him for various reasons or think like when he was playing for West Ham and the teams he's played for like he he genuinely looked like he cared about oh, the club that,
1: again the same thing um, it's you, you can't fault what he does on the pitch at all it's what it's. It, I think it's like agents all those external factors there they're, they're the things that really make a difference you know the the word in the ear and that sort of stuff so
0: now after the, the, all the Iceland stuff is is over and stuff mm. Golden Sullivan and the owners how, how are they perceived amongst <laughs> the fans? I don't think
1: like they're perceived and Brady, you have to kind of, and Brady. yeah of course I don't think they're viewed as the owners that we really want, perhaps. Ideal owners, maybe. I don't think they're viewed as ideal owners, but they've definitely... They've got tenure now, you know. They've been there for so long and they've invested a lot and put stuff in and time in and clearly made an effort. But then you you ask, you know, what have they been taking out of the club? The move to London Stadium... Hasn't been received well by a lot of people. I went to the first game that we had there. I think it was a friendly against Juventus. It was either that or the European Cup game. But I I think I definitely went to both of those. And one of them was the first game. I don't know if you find this, by the way. But when I was 16... No, when I was 14 years old and fantasy football first came out, I could remember every result, every squad. I could tell you the the bench of every team in the Premier League. I could tell you how many goals everyone had. Now I can't remember who we played last week. Genuinely can't. remember Yeah, I
0: have exact same week. thing. So I I could reel off anything from the 95-96 Premier League mm. season, all because of whatever match today, magazine, sticker, sticker book. Just in anything, my brain, yeah. and I
1: had it there to access. Now the only, now th- I just the only
0: thing I cared about, you know, yeah, yeah, who scored true, in against. Sunderland when we won yeah. 6-2, all that stuff. Yeah, now it all goes out.
1: But yeah, um, I was at the first game. The atmosphere was great. It was a beautiful sunny day. The stadium looked beautiful. It was full up of people that were full of energy and positivity. And as the season went on and the football got worse and the, the atmosphere got worse as well and you realised that maybe the people that used to sit together in the chicken run, that had a certain vibe about them, they're not sitting together now. And the families that were in family section they're not so like you don't have areas in the stadium where people of like-minded attitudes are together so it's very it's like a diaspora of fans all in that big open space um, and I'm not blaming the stadium because the stadium's wonderful stadium's you know I was there for the I went there for the Olympics and the Paralympics and it was really impressive and we moved there I thought yeah cool you know if we can fill it up, I, I don't know if we can fill it up. We've done all right with attendances, but the football's been shit. And that is really what drives everything. If you're not playing good football, if you're not playing entertaining football, if you're not giving people their value for money, you're going to have a shit attitude in there. So you're going to have a shit atmosphere in the, in the stadium. So, And then that gets projected back on the owners and things like the Payette situation and buying a complete load of rubbish in the off-season and going out spectacularly in the, in the you know, European Cup qualifiers. Does it bother you
0: if you compare going to West Ham now mm. in this new stadium, you say you like the stadium and it's, you know, it's an impressive structure and all mm. this stuff, but if you compare it to the, the memories you had with your dad and your granddads and stuff, are you disappointed that, that, that it's
1: no longer there? Or you? Yes, I'm disappointed that it's no longer there because what we have now is not better. It has the potential to be better what we have at the moment isn't better. So you're suffering with the possibility of, and we don't even own it. Like you know, what I mean, I don't even know if we're going to be there in five years. It's it's a very weird situation to be in. You see the problems that Spurs are having in Europe as well, and they're going to have to play all their home games at Wembley next season, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure they're looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, Chelsea will have to do it. They want to rebuild Stamford Bridge. Yeah, they're going to have to spend at least two seasons away. Mm. They're talking about going to Twickenham.
1: Crazy. Seems so odd, but Mm. Twickenham's again a nice ground. I go to rugby quite a lot, so Twickenham's a nice ground, but like it'll be weird for football, I guess. At at least Twickenham will kind of have that old feel. Mm. It's not like a super modern football, I know, like built in all the corners now and what have you, but it's still. I would rather play at Twickenham than Wembley as a club side. Personally,
0: so. I suppose it makes a difference as well if you're going back to the ground if it's being developed and you're going mm. back there's that as opposed to moving completely yeah.
1: hmm. so for us it's really weird so what's the atmosphere like now? Is it? it's kind of it's eerie sometimes the sound echoes in there you don't have pockets of fans that are all like I said like minded so they're driving the charts mm. and what have you I just have a load of people that are watching what is pretty much subpar football I suppose if you compare it to last year when they were playing good
0: football mm. in the and during yeah. part that like, they knew that was going to be the last time they were going to you know be playing in the. Well, Some would say like Mark Noble for example. Me, I don't know about that, I say other players, but he got to captain the, his, last, yeah. the club he loves in the last season they'll ever play in that yeah. stadium. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really
1: see Mark Noble try any less. Oh, you know, giving him no. less effort this season. Um, It's more of an organisational thing. It's more of like roles on the pitch, Um, positioning, style of play. I don't know if they just subconsciously don't feel comfortable playing there yet. I mean, I remember hearing a lot of of talk about how players, when they've played somewhere for a long while, like the visual cues are so important. You know, if you play left back and you know that advertising hoarding is your, you know, even so much as, you know, people sitting in row three, they're always there every week, so I know that's where my line is. You know? Stuff like that. And then you move in a new place and you've got running track around it and what have you, and it's all different, sounds different. I guess it might take a bit... They're elite sportsmen, so all these abstract things have an effect. All these things that we can't really understand because we're not having to operate at that level. Most of us just sort of go through the motions of our work every day, you know? But as a DJ, I can appreciate it. When things are off for me when it's like the wrong equipment or the sound system's not up to scratch or like the positioning of the DJ booth is is like, I haven't got to connect with the crowd because of the positioning of it. All those things can affect my performance of my set. So I'm not going to give you as good a quality of DJ set as I would do maybe at somewhere that I'm so used to playing. I know the crowd inside out and what have you. So things like that, abstract things like that can have an effect. But for me, I've been seeing it, on and off for, for two, two decades plus now that I don't really think that it's, it's that I don't think it's that I think maybe last season was just a culmination of things coming together and um, we maybe played above and beyond maybe what our ability was
0: do you, do you reckon it's like a regression to the mean now so I guess there'll be some fans that think because of last season they should just be kicking on and a Yeah, that's really dangerous. Like...
1: That's a that's a thing across the whole of the Premier League, yeah. you know. You know, that's how clubs go out of business as well, you know, like we've got to kick on, we've got to carry on and but to keep up it's just huge outlays, incredible sacrifices that you have to make. Again, the West Ham way is not we should be challenging with Arsenal and Spurs and Chelsea. I think we know that's not our lot at this time, but what we should be doing is Working fucking hard. Understanding basic man marking and positioning. Trying to play decent passing football. And working fucking hard. When you don't see that, it it fucks things up. When you look at managers, when you look at owners, it's very easy to put the blame on them because ultimately they are in charge. So they have to take responsibility for the results because they're in charge. But because we don't know enough of what actually happens, I don't know what Billich's training methods are. I don't know how Golden Sullivan conduct business or Brady. I don't know what their relationship is like with Slavin. I don't know how the players feel. You know, the players being comfortable at the club is important in their performance as well. It's all these things I don't know, but what I do know is it costs like hundred and twenty quid to go and watch West Ham. And if I spend ninety minutes watching guys that I feel are not trying as hard as they could do, that's when I'm going to be pissed off. I don't mind if you try your best and you're just not up to it. I, I generally give people a lot of leeway as long as they're trying their best because I expect that at least for all the money that I'm paying and they're getting paid. You know? Sure, you'd run until you threw up for 20 grand a week,
0: wouldn't you? <laughs> <coughs> that said, do you think that the club missed an opportunity this summer to sort of. Like, so, for example, the Pyatt thing, Yes, I think one the of the club, arguments was that... I think the club he left this summer. Because they didn't invest in, in players of a higher calibre.
1: I think they left it late. They thought maybe the stadium was going to be more of an attraction than it was to players. You know, they went in for players like Lacazette. They just flatly said no. London's a nice place to live, but a lot of people in Europe don't really give a fuck about living in London. And then we ended up just scraping up. A lot of players that really underperformed. Gokho and Torin, awful. Norvite didn't... He looked alright um, pre-season glimpses. I thought he was okay, and he's just looked lost. He's looked, lost. He look, he's looked like a YTS player that's getting his first run out. You know, he looks lost. All the strikers. So I, I use at least decent enough. He's, he's. I don't know if he's twenty million. Maybe in today's market, fuck knows. Like yeah. Me getting that personally, me getting that return off twenty million quid is insane. bad, but there was an article about a month ago about. Since Sullivan and Gold came in,
0: they've bought 32 strikers. Yeah. The only possible successes would mm. be Dako yeah. and Denver Bar. Mm. So, like, and Carol, when Carol's fit, he, he's good, but he's. But on a return yeah.
1: ratio, on a business side of things, no. And, some and of the, that's fair.
0: Some of the strikers they listed in these it's 32... <laughs> it's
1: fucked. Listen, I got onto Spurs. Do you remember there was a period of time when Spurs, like, just bought a £20 million striker every year? turning them over over and over and over and over and over and it was hilarious I was having so much fun laughing but we do it with like bargain basement as well it's not like it's not where we bought 32 million strike 32 strikers and spent you know 100 million pounds on them we have not yeah like a lot of loans a lot
0: of short termism
1: fucking when I saw that Zaza was a loan not a fucking that was like winning a game I was so happy that we hit because I don't rate him at all and it's proved to be correct. Yeah, I think we've been unfortunate with injuries. I think I think Sacco and Carroll are quality players. Yeah. You look at, If you look at both of their scoring records, when they get actually to starts, it's good. And their quality on the... Sacco's a very good positional player. He's got great vision. Um, <clears throat> his movement up front allows... There's a lot of things that you can't really quantify in terms of just scoring and assists, right? And there's players that will move up front that will allow space to be created for other players to to show their their specialness. And a lot of a lot of that from Payet comes from players giving him space, from 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 making the correct runs. And I think Carol and Sacco are good at that. I think Lanzini's a good player as well. I'm glad that he's sort of stepped up into that gap because he had that potential. But yeah, there's a load of fucking players that we've bought that have just been. Florian and Paolo Futre, basically. You go. Yeah, Nikola Jelovic. What the fuck are you buying Jelovic for? What, why is he coming in to your club? What, you know, That was the thing. We literally just stockpiled players because we thought, yeah, we're going to have to play in Europe, so we need, we need bodies. And we didn't get the quality we needed, so we weren't in Europe anymore. And now we're just stuck with bodies. <laughs>
0: so.
1: uh, what but thankfully, you... at least, I'll give them credit in that at least the business they did was... Loans with options to buy, so when these players are horrible, horrible, stinking failures, we're not tied into massive losses on them. So I'll give them credit for that at least. Do you, what did you think <laughs> of their January business? So
0: Snodgrass and Font. That seems solid, not spectacular.
1: But I've actually seen more defensive signings personally. Snodgrass is all right. I'm undecided on whether he's good value because he's obviously playing the English player tax. Font looks decent. Font looks decent. Obviously he's come from a good side. That play good football as well. But yeah, I think we needed we needed a goalkeeper because Adrian both Adrian and um, Randolph are not really starting. They're both backup keepers, if I'm honest. And centre backs we need. We shouldn't have um we shouldn't have got rid of Tompkins Tompkins what Tompkins with the palace. Shouldn't have got rid of Tompkins. <coughs> I think we need more cover at centre back. Winston Reed they obviously was like it. a new signing. When he re-signed, great, cool. Um, but we need more quality we need, we need players in the squad That are going to make The players that we already have Fight for their place There's no point Signing players below that If you want to improve as a side, right? If you actually want to overall we'll improve If you sign players Who are just clearly back up That's for just maintaining That's maintenance money Right? So If we qualify for Europe We need back up Because Players will be too tired To perform at the level They had last year So we need back up Been a while since I've been like super excited by signing but I think as a West Ham fan it's rare that you're going to get super excited by signing trying to think of it Tevez it sort of oh, yeah. and yeah that's like fucking yeah, insane sure. I was excited by Payet because only Payet was decent but not like he didn't come into the side as like
0: yeah this massive statement there would no. be lots of people that wouldn't have known who he was at all so you mentioned he didn't like Allardyce. No, got Bilic now, and then the managers that you've had it between Redknapp and
1: Bilic, Bilic. is like the players. It's like, we had a great season, we're all excited, came in. Bilic, Bilic was, as a you manager... you when, when yes. they appointed him? Yes. Yes. He had a really good track record. Not a stellar track record, isn't he? he's competed in top leagues in, in the world, but at international level, clearly did well. Uh, and had a good record with dealing with the players in Turkey as well. So, And obviously as a... Former player as well, to have a better understanding of the club. So I was happy when he was appointed. I was, I was optimistic. I thought he'd improve the level of the club, which he did for the year. And again, I don't know. You don't know how much is him and how much is the board and how much is the coaching staff and what have you. Like Torres clearly is a, a billet signing. He was appalling. Hyatt was clearly a Golden Sullivan signing. He was incredible. So I don't know whether things were just not firing or cylinders this year. Do you think fans are still behind him? Yes, I think so at the moment. We're not playing awful. We're yeah, definitely so we, under underachieving, and we. But, but so think, what? You ninth now? Yeah, ninth, So we shot up. Yeah, that's not. That that's off a run. That's off a good run. Though. Yeah, you know we were between seventeenth and thirteenth for the majority of the season. Right. So it definitely didn't go well, and we've come into a good bit of form. So that's why I think people are behind him. It's not like we played terribly. We haven't maintained what we did last season. Um, <coughs> And again, clearly the players haven't been performing in the way that happened last season. So I was happy when Sacco came back from injury because obviously there was all that talk about Sacco is not going to play for the club anymore and fallen out with Bilic and he's not really injured. He's actually. Then got injured again. But he came back and we, you know, did well, played well, scored a couple of goals. Carol good. came back. Carol came back as well, always comes back, scores a couple of goals. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's a similar. It's, it's a, it's a frustrating situation, and I don't think you can put all of it on a manager. I think we need a director of football that can actually sign good players. I think that would be good for us. I think someone who's in charge of signings would be a good addition to the club. Because just we need to identify the the right, the right blocks for the right shaped holes in the club. Um, there used to be it. players coming through the youth system as well. Mm, like, I mean, we've got a few. The really best of the... of course, is the obvious yeah. one. But it used to be like the, essentially the some of the best in the country. The academy, as it was, you know, West Ham that come through and learn the West Ham way and what have you, and, you know, Tony parks down there doing great stuff. But um, I think you can look back at history and go, well, you know, that sort of stuff happens in waves, doesn't it? You know, look at Man United, they haven't brought any players through in God knows how long, and they had that class of, what was it, 92? ninety-two? Yeah. But there wouldn't be there wouldn't be that many Premier League clubs doing it
0: at all. Yeah. It's probably more a sign of football <laughs> rather than...
1: Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I think these days as well, if you get a player that's half decent and you still got him at 17, then you're very lucky because, you know, you lot will probably buy him for 90 million quid and loan him back. Had him so, off you. Yeah. yeah. You know, it happens. You know it happens.
0: So do you still have favourite players today? Um, are, you, are, you still go, are you still a season ticket holder? I'm a bond holder,
1: so I don't need to buy a season ticket. Right. So okay. the cool thing about, so... We used to have season tickets until we realised that, because we don't bond, we can buy tickets when we want them, and it's always in the same seat. Right, okay. And we retain that forever, apparently. So
0: So it's like lifetime... <coughs> yeah,
1: basically it's like pay-as-you-go season ticket. Right. Which is what everyone wants, right? Yeah. That's I good. don't have to go and pay to watch <laughs> Burnley on a fucking Wednesday night, but I can pay to watch Chelsea on Saturday, you
0: know? That's a good system. It is. a great system.
1: So I'm happy. So, yeah, so how often do you get to go? Um... Not as often as I'd like but to be honest if you win the game I'm I'm kind of turning into my dad where like he stopped going entirely um, he passed away about five years ago six years ago but um, he stopped going entirely he was like I'm not watching, not watching that shit anymore because it just like it grinds you down you know you pay money give up your day and throw away a 1-0 lead or get battered 3-0 at home by a bottom 4 club or something ridiculous you know I'll probably go to about six or seven games a season, depending on cups. Right, we're notorious for doing badly in
0: cups, though, so it's not yeah, 6. Yeah, like, almost like give, giving up on them before. If we
1: just fucking have got no consistency. You need consistency to win cups. Because West Ham are a team that will, you know, will beat Chelsea twice in a season and then will lose to, to Hull, and you'll think, what yeah. the fuck is going on? With that? Did you manage to get to the FA <coughs> Cup final in '06? In '06, yeah. 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 So I did. I did playoff final, playoff final, FA Cup final. So we were in the Millennium Stadium three years in a row. And so that was cool. So like, heartbreak, happiness, strange kind of... I wasn't heartbroken when we lost to Liverpool because they are the champions of Europe. Yeah, yeah. and it was a-
0: it was an incredible game. And, was-
1: yeah, it was just an insane game, and Steve Gerrard scored a wonderful goal, and we almost beat the champions of Europe in the FA Cup final, which is that, that was basically like the, for, for me that was like the end of Rocky One, you know, like you lost the fight, but you, you're you proud of your it. performance. Exactly, yeah. yeah, it was a fight, you know, it was a fight, and you lost it, but and they were the champions of Europe, and they just had you know a magical season and. It was a great thing to be present at, and I'll cherish that, because I went there with my mum and my dad. And, uh, yeah, it was a great day out. If you go to games now, who are who you going with? Um, just just a... friends, normally. I, I take my mum now and then. Yeah, I take my mum. Does she enjoy it? Like, yeah, so... Moved,
0: my... You said she didn't go
1: when you were going when so you kids. So when kid, I started, all when the we guys. started, it was all the guys, right? And then one of my grandfathers passed away, and then my uncle moved up to York. So he left those two season tickets off. And then my dad decided, fuck this, I don't want to watch this rubbish anymore. And he stopped going. So my mum started coming. So it'd be me, my mum, and my grandfather. And then my other grandfather passed away. So it was me, my mum, and my little brother. So we we go every now and then to, to, to watch the games. And my mum's not like, she, she doesn't really care about football, but she likes, if West Ham on the TV, she'll put it on and just watch. Doesn't yeah, know, she's not a great. She's not a great tactical mind of our generation or anything, but she understands what's going on. Knows a few of the players, um, and she likes it again. It's a day out. It's something to do with your with your son. That yeah, she likes it to do sounds.
0: With. It's not. It's different to what it was twenty years ago. But you still have a tradition.
1: Of <coughs> like, of yeah, some kind. yeah. And I'll also go with like my mates now and then. Like um, DJ Maximum, who's the Skeptors DJ. He's a West Ham fan as well. We've been a couple of times. Um, we travelled up to. um the Man United FA Cup game where Piat scored the free-kick equaliser. Um, and I went with him to West Ham, Liverpool a couple of seasons ago. So now and then we'll go um, and watch the games. Um, so I don't go on my own, though, because, like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I'll drag someone over.
0: Just finally, what, what are your realistic expectations now?
1: Um, I would like to finish top eight. I would like to make some good signings. I would like to Is winning a trophy important to you? No. No.
0: Because I like, even you said I've
1: never seen West Ham win a trophy. No, exactly. In my life.
0: And even you said in that 06 cup final yeah. they didn't win and you were still For me I know what, I know it's like
1: they... I know it's like looked down upon but when we get results against teams that spend 200 million pounds a year that's like winning a trophy for me. To be honest with you. When I see our £120 million squad lined up against the £500 million squad and we get a result, for me that's... I take enough away from the game for that, that. But my only expectation is a bit more consistency. I don't like knowing that we can get a result against the top four side one week and then again lose to a bottom three side the next week. Yes. Literally the next week. So my, my aim is a bit more consistency. I, I want I wanna us to be a firm top eight side you know I want us to be more consistent I don't have grand dreams of you know signing Cristiano Ronaldo and getting bought out by an Arab investment firm and all this craziness and going on and winning the league because I've never seen it in my lifetime so I don't know what to expect I'm sure it must be the same for you when um, Ken Bates sold up you're like okay well this is cool but it's not like what I've always wanted no, yeah
0: it was a bit, well, it was a bit <coughs> weird <coughs> yeah like, I must be about seventeen, yeah. something like that, and it was all like, right, this is, this sounds like good. This guy's got like like shitloads of money. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. What's going to this... happen now? Okay, we've got this new manager in. All right, cool. Oh, he's spending. We're getting good players in. Great, cool. You just go along with it, right? Yeah, because it's just, I'm doing the same thing, but it's he's more fun talented, yeah. now. Like, I get to see way better players now than I did last year. So yeah, it's all cool, but. For me, I just want a bit more consistency. And but you said beating beating teams with math like huge budgets
0: that spunk loads of money. Yeah. Conversely, does it really piss you off when you lose? Very much team? so. Yeah.
1: Very much so.
0: So yeah, if you lose to even like Bournemouth, yes, all
1: of that shit. Yeah, especially at home. Especially at home. Proper pisses me off. I feel like that's a fucking waste of my money, and my time more importantly. Um, So yeah (laughs) I'm happy I'm happy being like A mid-team A mid-table team That nicks points off The top six Yeah That's fun That's a fun life I'm not stressed about Oh we're going to make Top four for Europe this year We need to get Champions League You know that's, That's stress You know You have to keep spending And spending And spending And every signing Is the most important thing And well, there'd be a few clubs like that. So, someone like Everton, I reckon, would be similar. Like, yeah, I'd put Everton like, just above us no, in that state. So none of like, the big
0: clubs want to play Everton. They're always quite wary. Exactly.
1: I don't ever want to play Everton if Lukaku's on the pitch because without fail, he always scores against West Ham. Every fucking game. That's the, that's the best bet you can ever make. Lukaku to score any goal against West Ham. And um, it's, it seems a bit unrealistic if you're an Everton fan to be like, we've got, we've got
0: to be looking we need at to push four, on, yeah. I'm right. not
1: happy with this. We're Because you know, like, there isn't the there isn't really the owners there to invest. Because we we're all kind of smart to how it works. We know there's like tiers of investment to get to us. It's all sustained by, you know, big pits of money. So it's very unlikely that you're going to see a team do what Leicester did again Mm. anytime soon. And that's like a wonderful dream to have. You know, everyone wants to do a Leicester, but. It's not something you can plan. You can't work towards doing a Leicester, you know?
0: Leicester can do. it. of course (laughs) You know.
1: um, And again, they did the same thing. They picked up a bunch of players that people probably weren't smart to that ended up elevating themselves way above what was the expectations and achieved great things. And that's cool, you know. I I just want to do... I just want to be entertained when I watch my football. I want to steal a few results here and there of top play- of top teams. I want to be consistently beating the teams that I know we should be consistently beating. And I'm happy with that. That's enough entertainment for me. You sound quite content as a football fan, most football I, fans. Listen, are... I'm a West Ham fan. I have been for decades. I know what to expect. If I get my hopes up, what's the song? The song is the truest song. Fortune's always hiding, so don't, like, you know... Your bubbles are going to get popped. Don't I don't want to be one of those Arsenal fans on Twitter that just has a meltdown every other week. You don't want to be on Arsenal fan TV. No, no. I'm happy, man. Like, I, just, I'm, I just get frustrated when I see lack of work rate, piss-poor tactics, piss-poor organisation, specifically on set pieces. I'll mention that again. Um, and just a lack of aspiration to, to try and attract better You know, try and do better. If if everyone's trying to do better, then that's cool. You know, Um, and to do it intelligently, not just fucking spunking money up against the wall to get into the Europa qualifiers.
0: Well, it sounds like a bit of perspective that's quite uncommon in football. Well, I
1: suppose I'm not a traditional football fan, so for me, it's a hobby and it's a pastime and it's a family thing, and. I just take out of it the good, you know, because I get enough stress in work. I think I think if you work nine to five and then you go to football and you stress about football... Where's your release? Exactly. It's horrible. If 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 we go to the London Stadium and lose 3-0 at home to Bournemouth, the players are shit. It's nothing to do with me. The players are shit, the manager had got it wrong and the owners fucking need to sort out the the sign-ins or whatever or fuck knows I'll make up some excuse but it's not on me you know I don't feel I don't carry that with me outside the ground which is why I was able to go to the cup final in 06 and just be proud of what we achieved there because the players gave it everything they had and we competed with the champions of Europe and I was happy with that everyone the next day at school and uni or whatever I was 06 yeah, I'd have been mean 25, yeah, definitely went in school. Uni. Um, <clears throat> always like, ah! Yeah, you lost, well, Gerard. Yeah. Was like, yeah, it's fine. It doesn't bother yeah, me at all. We, I played, it. we played really well. I went there. Credible match. Great. So, yeah, I I, I'm, I was happy with that, to be honest with you. It was cool. Uh, and I'm happy with that as a as a, as a West Ham fan. So I just want to see the players give everything they can. Honestly, just try and play attractive football, and if we get outplayed by a better team, then so be it. If we throw it away against the worst team, then I'm going to be pissed off, but I'm going to go home and I'll get on with my life.
0: That's a good way to end it. Very much for your time, Logan. Pleasure talking to you, man. Thank you. Thank you. So a huge thank you to Logan. Despite West Ham's inconsistency this season, there's a great deal of perspective about what he expects from his team. And it's nice to hear that he's still part of a family tradition when going to games, more than two decades after he started in the first place. We'd like to thank Logan for giving up his time for us. He's a very busy man, so fitting us into his schedule is much appreciated. And we'd also like to thank all of you guys for listening and your continued support of the Fan Tripper series. So look out for more episodes and hopefully we'll see you soon. Cheers. Bye.